This is day 57 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing 2 Samuel chapters 14 through 18. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you for your mercies that are refreshed every morning and just the hope that we have in you, that you would continue to hold us steadfastly in your hand and that we would be steadfast in your love in our hearts. Lord, please show us your, your grace this, this day, that we may come to know you better, that we may seek your face, despite all that's going on around us, that we would put on blinders and just run towards you at all times. Please forgive us when we don't do this, and please bless the reading of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Joab, the son of Zeruiah, perceived that the king's heart was inclined towards Absalom. So Joab sent to Tekoa and brought a wise woman from there and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments now and do not anoint yourself with oil, but be like a woman who has been mourning for the dead many days. Then go to the king and speak to him in this manner. So Joab put the words in her mouth. Now when the woman of Tekoa spoke to the king, she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said, Help, O king. The king said to her, What is your trouble? And she answered, Truly, I am a widow, for my husband is dead. Your maidservant had two sons, but the two of them struggled together in the field and there was no one to separate them. So one struck the other and killed him. Now behold, the whole family has risen against your maidservant. And they say, Hand over the one who struck his brother, so that we may put him to death for the life of his brother that he killed, and destroy the heir also. Thus they will extinguish my coal which is left so as to leave my husband neither name nor remnant on the face of the earth. Then the king said to the woman, Go to your house, and I will give orders concerning you. The woman of Tekoa said to the king, O oh, my lord the king, the iniquity is on me and my father's house, but the king and his throne are guiltless. So the king said, Whoever speaks to you, Bring him to me, and he will not touch you any more. Then she said, Please let the king remember the Lord your God, so that the avenger of blood will not continue to destroy, otherwise they will destroy my son. And he said, As the Lord lives, not one hair of your son shall fall to the ground. Then the woman said, Please let your maidservant speak a word to my lord the king. And he said, Speak. The woman said, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in speaking this word, the king is as one who is guilty, in that the king does not ba bring back his banished one. We will surely die and are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life, but plans ways so that the banished one will not be cast out from him. Now the reason I have come to speak this word to my lord the king is that the people have made me afraid. So your maidservant said, Let me now speak to the king. Perhaps the king will perform the request of his maidservant. For the king will hear and deliver his maidservant from the hand of the man who would destroy both me and my son from the inheritance of God. Then your maidservant said, Please let the word of my lord the king be comforting, for as the angel of God, so is my lord the king to discern good and evil. And may the lord your God be with you. Then the king answered and said to the woman, Please, do not hide anything from me that I am about to ask you. And the woman said, 
Let my lord the king please speak. So the king said, Is the hand of Joab with you in all this? And the woman replied, As your soul lives, my lord the king, no one can turn to the right or to the left from anything that my lord the king has spoken. Indeed, it was your servant Joab who commanded me, and it was he who put all these words in the mouth of your maidservant, in order to change the appearance of things your servant Joab has done this thing. But my, my lord is wise, like the wisdom of the angel of God, to know all that is in the earth. Then the king said to Joab, Behold now, I will surely do this thing. Go, therefore, bring back the young man, Absalom. Joab fell on his face to the ground, prostrated himself, and blessed the king. Then Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found favor in your sight, O my lord the king, and that the king has performed the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. However, the king said, Let him turn to his own house, and let him not see my face. So Absalom turned to his house and did not see the king's face. Now in all Israel was no one as handsome as Absalom, so highly praised. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no defect in him. When he cut the hair of his head, and it was at the end of every year that he cut it, for it was heavy on him, so he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head at two hundred shekels by the king's weight. To Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of beautiful appearance. Now Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem and did not see the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab to send him to the king, but he would not come to him. So he sent again a second time, but he would not come. Therefore he said to his servants, See, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab arose, came to Absalom at his house, and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom answered Joab, Behold, I sent for you, saying, Come here, that I may send you to the king, to say, Why have I come from Geshur? It would be better for me still to be there. Now therefore, let me see the king's face, and if there is iniquity in me, let him put me to death. So when Joab came to the king and told him, he called for Absalom. Thus he came to the king and prostrated himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Now it came about after this that Absalom provided for himself a chariot and horses and fifty men as runners before him. Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. And when any man had a suit to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, From what city are you? And he would say, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good and right, but no man listens to you on the part of the king. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land. Then every man who has any suit or cause could come to me, and I would give them justice. And when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would put out his hand and take hold of him, and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. 
Now it came about at the end of forty years that Absalom said to the king, Please let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed to the Lord in Hebron. For your servant vowed a vow while I was living at Geshur in Aram, saying, If the Lord shall indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will serve the Lord. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he arose and went to Hebron. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet, then you shall say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Then two hundred men went with Absalom from Jerusalem, who were invited and went innocently, and they did not know anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor, from the city Gilo, while he was offering the sacrifices. And the conspiracy was strong, for the people increased continually with Absalom. Then a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for otherwise none of us will escape from Absalom. Go in haste, or he will overtake us quickly and bring down calamity on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. Then the king's servants said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king chooses. So the king went out and all his household with him. But the king left ten concubines to keep the house. The king went out and all the people with him, and they stopped at the last house. Now all his servants passed on beside him, all the Cherethites, all the Pelethites, and all the Gittites, six hundred men who had come with him from Gath, passed on before the king. Then the king said to Etai the Gittite, Why will you go also with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile. Return to your own place. You came only yesterday. And shall I today make you wander with us, while I go where I will? Return, and take back your brothers. Mercy and truth be with you. But Etai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, surely, wherever my lord the king may be, whether for death or for life, there also your servant will be. Therefore David said to Etai, Go, and pass over. So Etai the Gittite passed over with all his men and all the little ones who were with him. While all the country was weeping with a loud voice, all the people passed over. The king also passed over the brook Kidron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Now behold, Zadok also came and all the Levites with him, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. And they sat down the Ark of God, and Abiathar came up until all the people had finished passing from the city. The king said to Zadok, Return the Ark of God to the city. If I find favor in the sight of the Lord, then he will bring me back again, and show me both it and his habitation. But if, you, if he should say thus, I have no delight in you, behold, here I am. Let him do to me as seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Are you not a seer? Return to the city in peace, and your two sons with you, your son Ahimeaz and Jonathan, the son of Abiathar. See, I am going to wait at the fords of the wilderness until word comes from you to inform me. Therefore Zadok and Abiathar returned the ark of God to Jerusalem and remained there. 
David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, and wept as he went. And his head was covered, and he walked barefoot. Then all the people who were with him each covered his head, and went up weeping as they went. Now someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. It happened as David was coming to the summit, where God was worshipped, that, behold, Hushai the archite met him with his coat torn and dust on his head. David said to him, If you pass over with me, then you will be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king, as I have been your father's servant in time past, so I will now be your servant, then you can thwart the counsel of Ahithophel for me. Are not Zadok and Abiathar the priests with you there? So it shall be that whatever you hear from the king's house, you shall report to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Behold, their two sons are with them there, Ahimeaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abiathar's son. And by them you shall send me everything that you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came into Jerusalem. Now when David had passed a little beyond the summit, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them were two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred clusters of raisins, a hundred summer fruits, and a jug of wine. The king said to Ziba, Why do you have these? And Ziba said, The donkeys are for the king's household to ride, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for whoever is faint in the wilderness to drink. Then the king said, And where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, Today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I prostrate myself. Let me find favor in your sight, O my lord the king. When King David came to Bahurim, behold, there came out from there a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came out cursing continually as he came. He threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men who were at his right hand and at his left. Thus Shimei said when he cursed, Get out, get out, you man of bloodshed, you worthless fellow. The Lord has returned upon you all the bloodshed of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son Absalom. And behold, you are taken in your own evil, for you are a man of bloodshed. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse the Lord my king? Let me go over now and cut off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, O sons of Zeruiah? If he curses, and if the Lord has told him, Curse David, then who shall say, Why have you done so? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son who came out from me seeks my life. How much more now this Benjamite? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord has told him. Perhaps the Lord will look on my affliction and return good to me instead of his cursing this day. 
So David and his men went on the way, and Shimei went along on the hillside parallel with him. And as he went, he cursed and cast stones and threw dust at him. The king and all the people who were with him arrived weary, and he refreshed himself there. Then Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, entered Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. Now it came about when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king! Long live the king! Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? Then Hushai said to Absalom, No, for whom the Lord, this people, and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Besides, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so I will be in your presence. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your advice. What shall we do? Ahithophel said to Absalom, Go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself odious to your father. The hands of all who are with you will also be strengthened. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the roof, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. The advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one inquired of the word of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel regarded by both David and Absalom. Furthermore, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Please let me choose twelve thousand men, that I may arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him, so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike down the king alone, and I will bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone depends on the man you seek. Then all the people will be at peace. So the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Then Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he has to say. When Hushai had come to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus. Shall we carry out this plan? If not, you speak. So Hushai said to Absalom, this time, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good. Moreover, Hushai said, You know your father and his men, that they are mighty men, and they are fierce. Like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is an expert in warfare, and will not spend the night with the people. Behold, he has now hidden himself in one of the caves, or in another place, and it will be when he falls on them at the first attack, that whoever hears it will say, There has been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even the one who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will completely lose heart. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. But I counsel that all Israel be surely gathered to you, from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea in abundance, and that you personally go into battle. So we shall come to him in one of the places where he can be found, and we will fall on him as the dew falls on the ground, and of him and of all the men who are with him not even one will be left. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city, and we will drag it into the valley until not even a small stone is found there. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better 
than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel, so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. Then Hushai said to Zadok and to Abiathar the priests, This is what Ahithophel counseled Absalom and the elders of Israel, and this is what I have counseled. Now therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, Do not spend the night at the fords of the wilderness, but by all means cross over, or else the king and all the people who are with him will be destroyed. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz were staying at Enrogel, and a maidservant would go and tell them, and they would go and tell King David, for they could not be seen entering the city. But a lad did see them and told Absalom. So the two of them departed quickly and came to the house of a man in Bahurim, who had a well in his courtyard, and they went down into it. And the woman took a covering and spread it over the well's mouth and scattered grain on it, so that nothing was known. Then Absalom's servants came to the woman at the house and said, Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said to them, They have crossed the brook of water. And when they searched and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. It came about after they had departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David. And they said to David, Arise and cross over the water quickly, for thus Ahithophel has counseled against you. Then David and all the people who were with him arose and crossed the Jordan. And by dawn not even one remained who had not crossed the Jordan. Now when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey and arose and went to his home, to his city, and set his house in order, and strangled himself. Thus he died, and was buried in the grave of his father. Then David came to Mahanaim, and Absalom crossed the Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. Absalom set Amasa over the army in place of Joab. Now Amasa was the son of a man whose name was Ithra the Israelite, who went in to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister of Zeruiah, Joab's mother. And Israel and Absalom camped in the land of Gilead. Now when David had come to Mahanaim, Shobi, the son of Nahash, from Rabbah of the sons of Ammon, Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, from Rogalim, brought beds, basins, pottery, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey, curds, sheep, and cheese of the herd, for David and for the people who were with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Then David numbered the people who were with him, and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. David sent the people out, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Etai the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I myself will surely go out with you also. But the people said, You should not go out, for if we indeed flee, they will not care about us. Even if half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth ten thousand of us. Therefore now it is better that you be ready to help us from the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do it. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and thousands. The king charged Joab and Abishai and Etai, saying, 
Deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king charged all the commanders concerning Absalom. Then the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle took place in the forest of Ephraim. The people of Israel were defeated there before the servants of David, and the slaughter there that day was great, twenty thousand men. For the battle there was spread over the whole countryside, and the forest devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Now Absalom happened to meet the servants of David, for Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head caught fast in the oak, so he was left hanging between heaven and earth, while the mule who was under him kept going. When a certain man saw it, he told Joab, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Then Joab said to the man who had told him, Now behold, you saw him. Why then did you not strike him down to the ground? And I would have given you ten pieces of silver and a belt. The man said to Joab, Even if I should receive a thousand pieces of silver in my hand, I would not put out my hand against the Lord's son. For in our hearing the king charged you and Abishai and Etai, saying, Protect for me the young man Absalom. Otherwise, if I had dealt treacherously against his life, and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you yourself would have stood aloof. Then Joab said, I will not waste time here with you. So he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men who carried Joab's armor gathered around and struck Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing Israel, for Joab restrained the people. They took Absalom and cast him into a deep pit in the forest, and erected over him a very great heap of stones. And all Israel fled, each to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to preserve my name. So he named the pillar after his own name, and it is called Absalom's Monument to this day. Then Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, said, Please let me run and bring the king news that the Lord has freed him from the hand of his enemies. But Joab said to him, You are not the man to carry news this day, but you shall carry news another day. However, you shall carry no news today, because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go, tell the king what you have seen. So the Cushite bowed to Joab and ran. Now Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, said once more to Joab, But whatever happens, please let me also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why would you run, my son, since you will have no reward for going? But whatever happens, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimeaz ran by way of the plain and passed up the Cushite. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall, and raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running by himself. The watchman called and told the king, and the king said, If he is by himself, there is good news in his mouth. And he came nearer and nearer. Then the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gatekeeper and said, Behold, another man running by himself. And the king said, 
This one also is bringing good news. The watchman said, I think the running of the first one is like the running of Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, This is a good man, and he comes with good news. Ahimeaz called and said to the king, All is well. And he prostrated himself before the king with his face to the ground and said, Blessed is the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who lifted their hands against my lord the king. The king said, Is it well with the young man, Absalom? And Ahimeaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant and your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I did not know what it was. Then the king said, Turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. Behold, the Cushite arrived, and the Cushite said, Let my lord the king receive good news, for the Lord has freed you this day from the hand of all those who rose up against you. Then the king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man, Absalom? And the Cushite answered, Let the enemies of my lord the king and all who rose up against you for evil be as that young man. The king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And thus he said as he walked, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, why would I have died instead of you, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son? David, David, David. You knew that this was going to happen. I really think you did. Ever since that day that you sinned with Bathsheba and the Lord pronounced this condemnation upon you, you knew that this was going to happen. And it had to be Absalom. Absalom, your son, was the one who was going to be causing division in your family. And because of your decision, and because of your son Absalom, so many people were affected by this. A whole kingdom were affected because one man made bad decisions, and the Lord punished him for it. And sometimes, like we talked about last time, consequences of sin affect people around us. And I pray and I plead with you that this is not you. That the sins that you have in your life do not affect the people around you. Especially if they're secret ones, if they're grievous ones, they need to stop. They need to stop before they affect the people around you if they have not yet. And this is what we see happen with David. So, we know what happened yesterday with Absalom killing his older brother to get revenge on his sister's uh, defilement, and he went into hiding. But after a couple of years, Joab got tired of waiting. And haven't you noticed that Joab, Joab is quite a character, isn't he? He knows how David ticks. He's been with David for a very long time. He knows what motivates him. He knows what doesn't. And he knows how to get him to do what he wants. Haven't you noticed that? Like in chapter 12, Joab was fighting against Rabbah. And this is when David was at home and the baby had passed away. He went and sent a message to David saying, Gather the rest of the people together and camp against the city to capture it. Or I'm just going to capture it myself and name it after me. And then David responded and sent people to Rabbah. You know, he does that with, with David a lot. And you can see that Joab doesn't always agree with the king. In some ways, Joab is right. And in some ways, he's not. Joab is wrong because, first off, he 
is the one who killed Abner, the son of Ner, in innocent blood as revenge for his brother when the man repented and did nothing to Joab himself. And that's going to come back and haunt him later. But in this case, you see that he does things to try to get David's attention because he's deeply concerned as why David is not holding Absalom accountable. Because not only as his father, but as the king, he's his right, his duty is to take action against Absalom for the thing that he did. But we see David put on kid gloves with his son and go way too easy on him. And so the way that Joab did this was very odd, but this is how he chose to do it. He hired a woman to pretend like she had been mourning for a long time. He gave her a script and was trying to communicate a point to David about Absalom. And as the woman was talking, it was probably the way that she was saying things to where I can imagine David just looking over at Joab like, I recognize the way these things are said, the way <laughs> these things definitely came from Joab. I could just tell. I've been with Joab for a very long time. I know how he speaks. And he's probably mentioned stuff under his breath about why I'm not doing this with Absalom. So I'm pretty sure this came from him. So did you do this, Absalom? Did Joab, did you put her up to this? And yes, he did. So, all right, I get your point, Joab. Let me go get, go ahead and get Absalom, bring him back. And Joab's like, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Let me go get Absalom. And so he brought him back. But David's like, no, I don't want to see him. Why didn't he want to see him? Probably he's still bitter. Probably he didn't forgive Absalom completely for what he did. So he didn't want to see him or he would just get upset. But he still loved Absalom. So he spared him and went easy on him, but he still didn't like what he did. Now, apparently Absalom was an extremely handsome man. He had really curly hair and... I think he was mentioned they had a black hair. But the weight of his hair clippings after a year of not cutting it was about, according to this, 200 shekels, which is about three and a half pounds or a little over a kilo and a half. I mean, that's a lot of hair. I mean, I thought at one point I had a lot of hair, which now I'm not. I'm very bald now, but... I mean, that's a lot of hair, but apparently he is a gorgeous man. From the bottom of his feet to the top of his head, he is perfection. All the ladies love that, I guess. But you can tell when he came back against his will that he was not going to repent. That he had not changed his ways, and he was up to no good. So apparently David restored him, and he, but he had to stay at his house. He was not allowed to leave Jerusalem. And this went on for two whole years. And so Absalom hadn't seen David's face. I guess David was still upset for two whole years. And Absalom started growing bitter. So he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take the throne myself. So I'm going to go and stand at the gate. And I'm going to sweet talk and I'm going to convince these people that David is weak and old and that it's my turn to rule. And one of the main people to defect against David was one of his counselors named Ahithophel. Now, why did Ahithophel defect? Well, we don't really know completely. There's one big clue that might be. And it regards Bathsheba. It says in chapter 11 that Bathsheba is the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, right? Now, we haven't gotten to this point in the text yet, but jumping ahead to chapter 23, it mentions something about this family. It mentions in verse 34, it says, Eliam 
the son of Ahithophel the Gilanite. So that means that Ahithophel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Interesting. So that what's possible then, the reason why he defected, possibly, we don't know this for sure, is that it was well known what David did to Bathsheba. That terrible thing that he did to her. And perhaps he held on to some anger and so to some bitterness from Bathsheba, the way that he mistreated her and took advantage of her. So that may be a reason why. We don't know for sure, but it, it, it would make sense if that were the case. So we see David flee for his life, and all these people came with him, and they were hanging out in the wilderness. People were coming to help him and counsel him, and, and everything went well. And David was able to keep two main people inside Jerusalem that were going to be communicating things to him, and those were the two priests, Zadok and Abiathar. And through their sons, they were able to communicate with a, like a spy network to David. But also, he had a friend who was going to pretend to Absalom that he was going to be loyal only to the man who was on the throne, and at the time it would be Absalom. And his name is Hushai, the archite. David had prayed to the Lord that Ahithophel's counsel would be made foolish, be made useless. And Archite put that wedge between Absalom and Ahithophel, and he thwarted his plans. And he made Ahithophel's counsel worthless, as David prayed. And when Ahithophel saw that no one was listening to him and that his counsel was bad, he saw that his, his end was coming. He knew that eventually they were going to take revenge upon him, that he was going to be held accountable for what he did. While Hushai over here is giving better advice to Absalom and purposely flattering him and stroking his ego to buy some time for David. So what did he do? He went home, he put his house in order, he meaning that not, not like he organized his house, but he's talking about his, almost like a will and testament, so to speak. And then he killed himself. This is the second main suicide. We can count Samson as a suicide as well, because he killed himself to destroy the people, the Philistines, you know, and also uh, Abimelech in the earlier part of Judges, that he killed himself as well. And they won't be the last either. So David received a lot of help, and Absalom was convinced to go out into the battle as well. And this was according to plan. And this is what really got me sad about this whole thing. What really got me sad is that it said that because of this conflict between David and Absalom, that it caused a slaughter. Twenty thousand men died in battle. The ones who were on showing allegiance to David versus the people showing allegiance to his son Absalom. This royal conflict cost thousands of lives. And that really bothers me. And that's what I'm saying about sin. Sin is a terrible thing. And people's hearts are so easily turned to anything. Are they not? You could be convinced of anything. And there are so many people in the world that we we jokingly call them sheeple, you know, people who are sheep. But that is the nature of humans. Almost all human beings are sheep. And there's no coincidence that Jesus himself calls us sheep because he knows that's how we are that we are so easily led astray by anything. We listen to the voice of our shepherd. But in this case, whoever has the most convincing story, whoever has the most charisma, is the one that they follow. 
And in this case, a lot of people turned their backs on David and went for the sun. 20,000 people fell that day. What a shame. What a shame. But again, I'm not too worried about it because this was God's plan. This is God's will. So I'm not upset that God did this because obviously it's his sovereign right to do as he pleases with us. But to see so much loss of life over two men, that's such a big deal. Think about countries, right? Think about America versus whatever our enemy is in history. You know, the Nazi Germany back in World War II, Korea during the Korean War, Vietnam and the Vietnamese War. Right now, our tensions with China and Russia. You know, these things are real. And you just see key people in leadership that are inciting these conflicts. And it's going to cause casualties that are innocent. They're fighting because of their allegiance to their country and for their freedoms. Not for those particular people. But yet those people are the ones that are causing these conflicts. Inciting war that causes, changes the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. Such is the life of a leader. And I hope that we can be good leaders in our day. So, Joab, again, took things into his own hands. He did not respect what David said. David said, go easy on Absalom. Go easy on him. Deal with him gently. You know, take him, cap basically, like, capture him alive. And we'll deal with him. Just don't kill him. But Joab didn't care. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to take care of this myself. Uh, and so he, he had... Absalom killed in the strangest of ways because Absalom got his luxuriously long curly hair stuck in a tree. That must be some really curly hair. And so Absalom died and was treated very harshly by the people. He was hated by those who were of David. When David found out that Absalom had been killed, he was so messed up. He was so bothered by it. It was a huge tragedy to him. But he knew that Absalom was the consequence of his sin with Bathsheba. And that goes to show how God works in these ways, doesn't it? Sin will be forgiven. God forgave David for this, but consequences are still a reality. He doesn't, take, he doesn't always take away the consequences, but the sin is forgiven. Don't forget that. You may get away with something, but he will surely allow circumstances to happen and allow natural consequences to occur for the sake of learning or the, for the sake of correcting your behavior. So the best thing to do is to not sin in the first place, to stay pure and to stay holy as he has commanded us to be. Which is not easy, for sure, but that is what we're called to do. Well, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.